In episode 37 this week, Billy, we go back to the future and we talk about bullying. What are people going to learn this week? Yeah, well, we talk about how back in the 80s we had a very different, simplistic, unhelpful response to bullying and how we can do much better than that Mm. all these years later, how important it is. It's one of the biggest risk factors for really bad outcomes for kids, what we can do about it as adults, educators, yeah, and how we respond to it and talk about it is really, really, really important. So a good one for everyone, I think. Yeah, I think so. A lot for everyone to learn, whether you're directly or indirectly impacted. Great to be aware of. Great to see it happening, how it's happening, learn about it, and then how you might go around resolving it. Also, a couple of great Griswolds and Winslows this <laughs> yes. week. As always. <laughs> couple, as always. Uh, just a quick shout-out, guys. We'd love it if you could just drop a rating or um, leave us a review. We don't often push for it, but <laughs> getting this getting this in front of people, this podcast, um, is really important. People benefit a lot from this one. Uh, a lot of people out there struggling, and this is a great way to help them. So uh, if you could just take a minute to whack in a you know, five-star, if you yeah. think. And uh, a written review is also appreciated on uh, Apple. So thanks very much, guys. Enjoy the app. Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental pediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Your daddy and what does he do? Just use your best judgment to trust you. Good morning, Dr. Billy Garvey. How are you? Good morning, Nick. Yeah, I'm good. I think you're the only person who calls me doctor. <laughs> Dr. Billy. <laughs> do it all week and then you're the only one that calls me. <laughs> Growing up, my folks were big on calling doctors doctors. Yeah. So it was always, you know, Dr. Garvey. Yeah, it's just never felt comfortable with me and it's a, it's a bit like people who call me Bill or William. I'm you like, don't like Bill. No. I do it when I'm trying to be um, firm with you. Yes, and maybe that's what it triggers. Yeah, and then it doesn't work. <laughs> like when we're having a discussion potentially about the creative of the podcast or a direction like, Bill, and you just look at me, I'm like, oh. Should yeah. put that club back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's true, but... Um, I'll tell you what, I never get sick of that intro music. Oh, I know. I think we love it because it's our voices. <laughs> We've had some feedback saying, you know, wish it was a full song and, um, you know, loving the pod and hopefully they're enjoying what we're talking about as well. Yeah, hopefully they don't just listen for that. Uh, the numbers would suggest that they don't. They do listen through a bit further, which is cool, so thanks. And which is a nice reminder, actually, we did discuss before. Just a, just a small plug here. Always great to get reviews. So whatever platform you're on, um, mm. written reviews on Apple are a huge help to us. It just gets the podcast in front of more people and the podcast is designed to help people who really need it. To So it helps them find it. So written reviews are great, but five stars are also very welcome and very they don't welcome. take but a second. So please uh, drop a little five-star rating when you can again bumps us up in the parenting podcast to help people who are really struggling. That's what this podcast is for. It's for people who are really struggling. Um, That's all we ask of the fans. That's all we ask of <laughs> listeners who and eventually might be fans, Billy. An amazing, Bill. amazing fortnight. Yeah, fantastic. Um, coming off our strongest fortnight for like a listenership um, and that's off the back of our um, ADHD, well, Kids That Can't Focus episode, but 
really revolved around ADHD, understanding it, learning about things like executive function. Don't start. I'll do it for the third time. I'll tell you what the executive function is. Um, but also it talked about stuff about medicating, how to talk to kids who have ADHD, how to talk to them about it, uh, mechanisms for in school, how to approach schools and um, carers. And, uh, yeah, people really resonated with people. So we're, we're so thrilled that that's the case. Um, yeah, really great. Yeah, it was really good. But, um, but, yeah, how have you been last fortnight since we caught up in a first episode of part one? Good, good. I am um, actually kind of uh, – things are going really well with the kids. It's kind of like this sweet spot. And I think we talked about it. It doesn't <laughs> – listeners like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just wait. And I know it'll change and it does change, but sometimes uh, it's just good. And I can't tell if it's a change of season and we're outside more or something. Um, mm. Where we are here in Melbourne, it's just turned spring and it's just beautiful. You know, it's about 16 degrees, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and any any Winslows? Like, did you um, want to give us some gold to start off on a positive note? Uh, with the oh. great man? Yeah, we'll start with the great man. So apologies. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. Got a little, got a little Winslow, a little whimsy. Yeah. Uh, got a big grizzy. Okay. <laughs> so Winslow was really cool this week. Um, I bit off too much, but it was so great. Don't spend a lot of days alone with the girls. Usually mum's always there. But they're on dad time this week. About two weeks ago, oh, somewhere in the last two weeks, I um, took them into the museum and it was awesome. And I was like, like huge morning. If you go to a museum with a two and four year old, you're going to book them in, get them in, get them out, take them to this, go to that. It was awesome. And I was like, let's go home and have a nap and let it fly and go for a swim in the afternoon to the pool. And I uh, took them to the pool as well, solo, which was mildly stressful because they've got to stay within one metre of me. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't as easy as I thought. But it was awesome to spend the day just with them. Mm. Um, and so you kind of set your own agenda when you're the solo parent. And it was a big day. Now, there's probably a lot of parents out there and, and generally there's probably a lot of mums out there are like, you did two activities in a day. Good on you, hero. But <laughs> but I do get overwhelmed easily sometimes and I was really proud of that. So that is my Winslow. Yeah, nice. Well, How about um, you? Any Winslows? Yeah, so my Winslows have been, um, yeah, it's kind of been pretty pretty stressful but um, the last fortnight, probably it was exactly the same thing I said last fortnight about how I'm going. But um but yeah, the thing that I did a bit differently is reached out to be around people a bit more because oh. it can be like the only person that I'll engage with, especially when I do a full day of like telehealth. Mm-hmm. The only person that I'll kind of spend any time with is Evie and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure she likes hanging out with me, but it's a bit one directional, the chat at the moment. <laughs> and, um, That's but tough. I, yeah, but I got to get around you, which was awesome. We had a meal at your joint in the kitchen. And, um, it was good. Yeah, it was felt like I'd kind of blended into your family and then... Yeah. Um, yeah, got to a brewery. When was that? Yesterday? Oh, oh yeah, no, Friday night. Friday, sorry. Yeah, so we two did. days ago, we got to the brewery and um, kids were all running around. Yeah. The famous playground where the conch. <laughs> Billy's wife said to me, she goes, hey, Nico, is this the place where you reckon there's a conch in that playground? I'm like, oh, yeah. One of them's always holding the conch up there. It yeah. is wild on that playground. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah but it was really nice because it's, mm. yeah, the common theme across like getting around other parents that are parenting their kids is you, everyone gives each other a pass for like leaving mid-conversation and having to <laughs> run around, chase after a kid. and But you still get this kind of nice feeling of um, 
a bit of community. Yeah, camaraderie. That's mm. <laughs> so how I think about it. Like, yeah. We're all in the same battle here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was really nice for me. I felt a little less isolated. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Oh, yeah, having you over was great. Just on the record as well, I have been extending the invite to Billy for about four weeks to come over. <laughs> Just want that clarified. And the invite is still open, so Thank please. Thank you. Any, uh, let's get into the Griswolds, though. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Do you want to you go? No, you go first, please. Unless you don't have one. Uh, I've definitely got one. <laughs> I've, um, I feel like my entire day is at Griswold's. <laughs> no, the thing that I'm struggling with, and I think you and I have spoken about this a bit, is just, um, yeah, kind of not being 100% or positively present with Evie because I kind of, you know, she's 16 months now, I think, and I, um, yeah, I get a little bit of time with her in the morning before my day kicks off and then a little bit of time with her in the evening and... Um, yeah, I've just had a lot on and a bit stressed and all that stuff. And so I've kind of noticed that I've been holding a bit of that tension and that stress with her and not like mm. getting upset in front of her. But I, you know, the professional training in me kind of says that, you know, she will be kind of picking it up a bit and all that stuff. So I'm trying really hard to work on it and kind of have gotten to the point now where I'm like, yeah, cool, i got to change something up. So it's, um, but it's hard, man. It's, it's really hard. Things, it's just really difficult. Yeah, oh, it's tough to hear that. Mm. Yeah, my <coughs> my daughter described me as you being really snappy as I was putting to bed. It was the last thing she said to me. <laughs> she goes, you're being really snappy. And I was like, oh, okay, I have been. How good of her, though? <laughs> you're obviously creating a very good space and open lines of communication for a four-year-old to be able to say that to you, mate. Mm. Well, I did lower my colours. Have we played Clark W? Yes. Yes, it did. Sorry, yeah. right. It's okay. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah, I had a howler. Uh, I think some parents will be able to relate to this one. I was at daycare um, early this week, <clears throat> and it was it was really poor by me. So I was coming into daycare, and we sort of stopped to speak to a carer, and it was a bit of a tough morning. It was just a bit of a slog. Some people weren't keen to go, and um, we got them there, and we're heading upstairs, like heading up to drop off and chatting to one of the carers, blah blah, blah this and that. And my daughter said to the carer, oh, well, I'm sick today. And I said, um, <laughs> no, she's not sick. And she goes, I am sick. I'm sick. And I went, <laughs> no, no, she's not sick. We're going up. And um, and I sort of laughed it off and Jack said, you're not sick. She said, mum says I'm sick. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not sick. We're going up. We're heading upstairs. And I sort of dismissed it and yeah. laughed about it. And then got inside and then spoke to another carer who I'm incredibly close with and see her every single day, twice a day, and we hand over and we talk and everything's great. And I recounted what she just said to the other carer and we we had a laugh about it. Mm. She goes, oh, like, my daughter had a, she didn't even really have a nose or anything. And then as I was sort of joking about it, my daughter became really upset. Like I'd kind of denied what she'd said was true. Mm. And she got upset and she was almost embarrassed and I'd made her feel really bad and I uh, I felt bad but that didn't matter because I'd made her feel bad and I felt, I just felt, I realised what I'd done, kind of dismissing, it's like dismissing her feeling or her position and I felt really, really shitty about it and I felt shitty about it all day and I came home and I told Henry straight away and I was like I can't believe I sort of made light of it. And other parents that relate to this because you do things in the moment to keep the wheels moving forward 
Because mm. you were probably worried that you were going to then not have be to able take to leave it there. And, and that throws my day, day into turmoil. Mm. That's why I wasn't going home to kick up the feet all day. Obviously. Yeah. I'm in a busy, I'm in a, frankly, a really stressful busy. work period. Yeah, and I'd sort of told you this last six weeks, this last six weeks for me has been really busy at work. And losing days isn't great. And I just denied it. And and I didn't send her up sick, to be really clear. Like, she wasn't sick sick, but she was kind of, I think she wanted to stay at home and hang out. Yeah. I, and I denied it. And... uh wasn't I don't know how else I would have done it differently honestly today mm. but um she got really upset and I had to take her out for 10 minutes and settle her and I paid the price for being uh pretty sort of shitty in the moment yeah I mean yeah I can totally understand that stress of like oh man I can't have you at home today like and especially if they're not sick but you're like oh this kind of statement you're making risks the whole plan that I've laid out but yeah yeah, imagine what you did in that 10 minutes is the important bit. And like we often say on the podcast, it's not about doing it perfectly. Like our kids need to see us screw this up. Thankfully, we give them lots of chances to see that mm. because the recovery is the important bit. It's like what you did in that moment and how you responded to it will set her up about the expectations she have as a, has of others when she struggles or they do something wrong by her, mm. you know, and they make a mistake. And that's, that's you do that beautifully, mate. You... You know, you really explain it, you're listening, you're responsive, you're warm. All that stuff's what matters, not never being a bit dismissive of, you know, their feelings or what they're trying to do in the moment. Mm, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to learn from it. So, yeah. I also think, yeah, without getting too much on a soapbox, the world is just not set up for two parents working, is it? No, no, it's really tough. Mm. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, I had a day last week where I uh, had to look after both kids because mum was sick and... Yeah, that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of just build up. Like whenever I come back and visit it, I'm like, oh, in isolation, it it looks bad. But I'm like, oh, a lot of stuff around it, and yeah. you know, the hour to get them there when they don't want to go, and you just do things anyway. Yeah. Anyway, well, tough stuff. <laughs> tough, tough stuff. Tough stuff. But that's why we get together every week <laughs> to try and get, get better together. at it. Yeah, and just and just uh, also relate to the audience that uh, we know how tough it is. And, yeah. Uh, we sit here and talk about parenting, and Billy's got great tips, but. We make the same mistakes as everyone else or have the same challenges as everyone else. Um, you don't dodge those bullets with little kids. No, definitely. And we do worry, um, you know, what is the impact that those little things that we do mm. going to have on the future? We do. I was, I was trying to segue to the movie. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, it takes us to our movie this week. We are going back to the future. And talking about bullying. So we had a parent, remember we were ages back? It was like, roads? <laughs> we're, we're going, we <laughs> don't need, need roads. <laughs> and that's, you know, what parenting is like these days. There used to be, you know, we're getting a lot of people coming in that haven't like been with us since the start of the podcast. But yeah, one of the biggest influences on parenting is the cultures that you grew up with and that surround us as we parent. And, you know, Back to the Future is a like, movie from the 80s where they jump back to the 50s mm. and it shows kind of the differences culturally that are around kids at the time. But it's, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot to talk about in bullying um, and I, this movie is a really interesting example of back in the 80s we had a different way of thinking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, people, hopefully most people will know the movie. It was hugely successful. Um Interestingly, yeah, some trivia on it. I don't know if you know, they took like five years to get it made. Like really? The, yeah, yeah. So I really struggled. It was only when Zemakis made um, Romancing the Stone 
got Spielberg's attention and then it happened and they had to change some stuff about it. For example, you know, there was, wasn't meant to be DeLorean that they time traveled oh. in. It's meant to be a fridge. And um, <laughs> Spielberg came in and is like, nah, you'll have kids crawling into and closing fridge doors behind oh, themselves. That was a big so, problem. Yeah. they were old latches back in the day. Yeah. The seal. So it was like, no, nah, we can't, um, we can't have that happening. So they, yeah, they ended up using the DeLorean. But really interesting movie. Like one of the most famous casting mismatches i don't know how much you know this but um keep going so they couldn't get michael j fox initially um and i've just gone blank on the guy they got but he was the you remember that movie mask did you ever see that movie mask growing up with, you always yeah. thought it was the jim carrey one and you're like oh sweet i'm gonna watch this no, no, no. The and one, then it was the kid with yeah the face all yeah like, we share was in that was she? Yeah. yeah, okay. She's the mum. So, yeah, you'd always be, you know, I fell for that cassette so many times where I was like, sweet, the mask. mask like, oh. But it was mask. mask. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, and this guy was just not right. And mm-hmm. so they convinced uh, with a bit more cash, Michael J. Fox, come on board. But he was doing filming, Family Ties wouldn't release him. Yeah. So he was doing Family Ties during the day and in the evenings filming Back to the Future. Wow. So, yeah, doing like 18-hour days through all of Back to the Future. Because family ties are like, we can't. We, you're the, the backbone show. of the show. Yeah. So yep. Alex Keaton. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's really cool actually. There's a, I've got some criticisms of Back to the Future from the perspective of bullying, which um, we'll definitely get into. One of the cool things that it does with a character like Michael J. Fox is that he, you know, he's not this kind of big imposing figure. He certainly isn't. So, yeah, I think he's like five foot five or something. Yeah. But he's, he's so like charismatic and confident. <gasps> isn't he? And all of that stuff. And we, we don't really get a good understanding of why that is because mm. um, we don't see it before. He's kind of that, you know, kind of a little bit cocky kind of, you know, guy that's, yeah, got a girlfriend and very comfortable socially. You get a hint of it. Um, in the hall. Yeah, in the in school hall mm. when he's talking to the principal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that principal is... Just a carbon copy of his character in Top Gun. Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. You two characters. <laughs> God, we're going to do Top Gun. Yes, we definitely don't need to do that. But yeah, so Back to the Future is interesting. It's just I really struggle with it from the perspective of the way that it culturally sets up how we should respond to bullies. So that's oh, what I struggle with it about. Okay. I, know you I don't think you even know which scene we're doing yet. No. But we'll get to it. Um, so yeah, we see through the movie that what essentially happens is that Marty goes back and, um, you know, there's a lot of really interesting, like, psychology things yep. that this touches on. <laughs> Freudian. Obviously, the most awkward <laughs> one is, yeah, his, um, his mum having the hots for him. But, um, yeah, he kind of goes back and then stuffs up the way that his parents are going to meet and then mm. has to reignite that chemistry between them. And they use how much his dad, George, George McFly, is getting bullied as a way of, like telling this narrative of like stick stick up for yourself yep the bit that i really struggle with is there's two reasons that back to the future is wrong in how it does it the first is violence is not the answer Mm. punching the bully in the face and second it puts all of the weight on the kid being bullied to to overcome and to do something so there's two reasons and we'll get really deeply into where the evidence is and what we should be doing. But yeah, that's the bit that I struggle with with Back to the Future. We see kind of the whole time that George is getting bullied, everyone either comes in and is like, what are you putting up with that for? Like just, you know, stick up for yourself. Mm. And he can't do that. And then we see 
you know, just just fight back and you'll be fine. So tell me about bullying. What is bullying? Yeah, so bullying bullying is obviously a pretty awful thing that is really common. So we know that it, across all kind of cultures around the world, it sits at kind of 25 to 35, 40% of kids will experience bullying in their lifetime. Really scarily, about 10 to 15% of kids will experience chronic bullying, so bullying that goes on for more than six months. And bullying for a lot of kids receiving on the other end of bullying, it's um, a form of trauma. Um, and we've got to be really careful that we kind of don't dismiss bullying and say like, oh, mate, what do you care what he says? Like, yeah, okay. the child should always decide how bad the bullying is, whether it's traumatic or not. And our role is to respond, not to kind of have judgment on whether how much this should be impacting you. Um, and it's really, yeah. And the kind of the what we, the way we think about bullying is it often comes from a power imbalance. Okay. So you know it'll be you know someone who's more socially dominant, someone who's physically bigger, someone who has more influence on the sphere of that other person's life and the person who, you know, is a staff member, a newer member of the social group, gotcha. someone who's socially isolated in the classroom or playground, being dominated and aggressive, you know, it doesn't have to be violent but it can be violent aggression towards them. Okay. Why, just because we've just talked about the movie, why do you think movies, well, what's changed in 40 years since that movie's been made that... You probably wouldn't make that move today about standing up to a bully like that, I wouldn't have thought. What's really changed sort of culturally, do you reckon? Like why do we – why is it like just stick up for yourself? Yeah. Is it because we just know more now? What's How's that sort of come about? Yeah, definitely. I think we understand much better now. So, you know, what Back to the Future kind of implies, if you remember the end, is that because he stood up to his bully and punched him in the face, <laughs> he went on and had a rich life. He was – you know, I don't know if you remember, but when George – in the future, he actually has Biff as kind of like a valet yep. who's doing all this stuff for him. And because he punched him in the face, he's now gone on and he's this powerful son. Mm. And this is what we understand. So there's kind of two different types of bullies when we think about them. There's mm -hmm. what we kind of often refer to as alpha bullies, mm -hmm. which is the, you know, the person who is usually bullying to maintain their power, to say, I am the leader of this social group. I am the most impressive person on the playground. I am the boss at this job because I have influence over all of you and I have the power to make your day good, bad, I make fun of you and everyone else laughs at you, all of that kind of stuff. The other type we see are often called delta bullies and they're bullies that have often experienced bullying themselves or have like underlying pathology, they have anxiety, depression, social anxiety, you know, they've got low self-esteem. And often they will do it for a different reason and that's because it's kind of learned behaviour, it makes them feel secure, you know, they think they've got this dysfunctional kind of social engagement. You know, they have other peers that kind of laugh at what they're doing or egg them on and those kind of things and those are two different groups. And what Back to the Future kind of implies is that, you know, what actually happens is George almost becomes the bully because he stood up to Biff and then it biffs below him and he's got a power imbalance over Biff yeah. and is telling him what to do. And it's it's interesting because I think Zemakis has said, yeah, I wouldn't have written it that way now. Okay. So he's you know, he's changed his understanding. And what we really understand about the trajectory of kids, which back to the future, the whole plot line is about this, is these incidences can have huge long lasting impacts on kids. 
So that's why we really worry about it. Once you get above 14, the biggest cause of death is suicide in kids. Wow. Being bullied is a big risk factor for anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide, social isolation. It Look, it even tracks out that it's developmental trauma, which bullying can be a form of, is the biggest risk factor of adult mental health use. Also, it impacts your physical health. It impacts the income that these people earn, like... It's one of the most devastating things that can occur. And I don't know if you remember growing up, you know how people used to say like sticks and stones, you know, what is it? Sticks, and, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Yeah, the, I think the reverse is true. Yeah, you said that. So I don't know about you, but yeah, I've lost a few physical fights a few times <laughs> in my life. But I've, I've never won one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I've never, it's, I've never held that. I'm not saying that can't be traumatic for people. Mm. But man, the times in my life that I've been bullied... I still hold it, changed who I was as a person. I'm mm. a different person and that's what Back to the Future shows, that these small incidences that occur can have long-lasting impacts on the rest of your life. Yeah, right. And that's what I really worry about. And we see this like really bad problem-solving that occurs for George mm. that, but then has this kind of unrealistic outcome. lifelong outcome. Of he's happy, successful. The kid, I don't know if you remember, but the house is nicer. Yeah, every, the whole neighbourhood. Everything's there's cars in the garage. There's great cars. And yeah, stuff the, the like kids that. are happier. The daughter's <laughs> even got multiple boyfriends. The mother, Can't. the mother's like like far more attractive. Everything's <laughs> yeah. like better and enhanced. Yeah. Right? So what the message that it gives you is just punch the bully in the face, solve it, and you'll be fine. So it's this really detrimental, devastating kind of approach that we should not be directing our kids towards. And also, like, bullying is bullying doesn't always look like that. It doesn't always look like someone grabbing you by the scruff of the neck. And that's the scariest thing about bullying is when we ask kids about it, up to 50% of them will say, I'd never tell my parents about it. So we can't see it. I think over 40% of kids in school will say, I wouldn't tell a teacher if I was being bullied. So it makes it really hard. So what, as a parent, how do you support them? Because you, obviously you can't just go, oh, someone bullying you, hit them. That's mm. what we're not saying, having seen the film. So what do you do? It's a really good question. So I'll try and distill, yeah, three hours of what you do into <laughs> a short period of time, but that's where you've got you the got, toughest role. You've got plenty on the clock. It's all right. So, yeah, what you do is, you know, is, is there's a lots of different things you do. Okay. Does this apply for just because we've got a broad listenership here, kids who are – I don't know when bullying starts. Good question. So bullying, yeah, bullying seems to emerge middle primary school. Okay. It's the first time we start seeing it. Okay. There's a really big risk period in high school with adolescence. Okay. Um, because a lot of self-identity is getting formed then. Yeah. And so it's one of the most vulnerable time periods to gotcha. experiencing bullying. But we do see those behaviours start to emerge in middle primary school. Okay. So what you're going to teach us is it apply to uh, all ages? Or so really early on, like how cool. you are talking with Freddie now, we'll set up how oh, okay. she feels about this stuff. All right. So how do I proactively talk about it then? And then should we talk about the resolution stuff after? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Let's do that. There we'll is, see. There we, is there's not like a lot of pre-work we've done We've never here. had a script. <laughs> no, you're watching <laughs> us. 37 episodes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is clearly people are like, oh, wait, you guys really don't catch up and chat about <laughs> this. It's like, nah, <laughs> this is it. It keeps it genuine. Well, this yeah. is the point. I meant to come in here with fresh eyes um, yeah. as a parent who doesn't understand the topic. 
<laughs> which is good because I don't understand the topics. So yeah, all right. So how do I how do I prepare? Them. Yeah, so I think you can be really proactive. Like we'll talk about parents. There's a lot of evidence around what schools can do. But I think making sure that you have an open dialogue with kids about it yep. and saying like, it's not okay. Do you ever see it? Do you understand what it is? Do you know it's unacceptable? Do you know the impact it can have? It makes kids, you know, and it's got to be developmentally appropriately. You wouldn't start talking to Freddie about, oh, it can cause anxiety and depression in later life. But you say it really is it's not nice for kids to experience that. They shouldn't have to experience it. Yep. Like bullying is unacceptable. Like and that's the way that we should have it. I'll talk about what we do when we do have a bully in an environment because it's different. But with the expectation we should have is one of zero tolerance. Okay. So we say, look, that's just not acceptable. The hardest thing is that there's a lot in, you know, social media and stuff at the moment of people coming out, whether it's broader mental health stuff or bullying and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, we're against it. But our kids see what we do more than they listen to what we say. Say. So if you're, you know, doing the end of the bed or the car drive saying it's not acceptable, (laughs) but then you have a go at the guy in the coffee store because he made the wrong coffee or you're gossiping, about a peer, one of your mates in front of your kids, what you're actually showing them is actually it is okay. Right. So gotcha. modelling. Yeah, exactly. And gossiping is a you know really good example. It's interesting looking at the gender differences of kids in primary school and how they do it. Boys are much more likely, unsurprisingly, to be physical about it. They're much more likely to bully someone outside of their social group. Um, whereas girls are much more likely to kind of not directly bully someone but someone within their social group and that kind of classic kind of gossiping, you know, talking down about someone without them there. The reason kids do that is is lots of different reasons why they bully. But it can be some kids who don't have social skills. It's a very primitive form of social connection. And if we're being 100% honest with each other, we can probably think about that and go... Yeah, you and me sometimes we'll be having a beer and we'll be like, can you believe so-and-so did that? And what we're doing is socially connecting because we're like, yeah. this is something we can test what the rules are. It's me checking in how you feel about yeah. someone that, you know, rocks up to a party without any drinks and you kind of go, can you believe they did that? Yeah. The risk is when we do that in front of our kids, what we're actually showing them is it is okay to talk down about sure. someone when they're not there, not there or to be threatening, intimidating when someone doesn't do what you want them to do. You know, and that's the risk. And I do worry about a lot of dads out there that are teaching their kids, you know, just do what George McFly does in Back to the Future, just punch the bully in the face. And that doesn't – risks, obviously, you know, physical injury to either of the kids, but it's also a really poor problem-solving strategy and it's a completely unrealistic expectation. Most kids who are being bullied are not Marty McFly's running around, like skateboarding, just, you know, having an amazing life, jump up and play guitar and invent rock and roll. Like most kids that are being bullying are, are being bullied are really socially excluded. They have really low self-esteem and it's one of the biggest reasons kids don't attend school, don't have social lives on the weekends, really dysfunctional in their family relationships as well because they feel really isolated. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I've got a personal experience with it and I think it's, I have a lot of positives came out of it because it probably was one of the big reasons that I do this work and work in mental health with kids. But, yeah, just as it, you know, I reckon it changed how I am. Like I, yep. 
You've talked about this one before. This is kind of when you started new school. No, funnily, it wasn't that time. That that right. was a time where I was like physically bullied because I was just yeah the classic like high school movie of like my books knocked out of my hand and pushed to the ground and stuff. But yeah, I've been in enough kind of scraps that that wasn't that bad for me. But the psychological component of it that happened to me a bit earlier in middle of high school, mm. and I just. Um, I reckon, yeah, I can link it back to how now I'm like, I'll love anyone that I will have any interaction with, but I get the soonest kind of indication, really early indication of you're going to wrong me. And I, I cut ties because it's a protective thing that I had learned in my childhood, you know, like is that any sign, and that's what a lot of kids are doing. They're being hypervigilant. They're like, you know, I'm really worried that I'm going to be bullied again or that this will happen. So I won't put myself out there. I'll get aggressive really quickly. I'll shut down. Like we've talked about, like a lot of these kids, you know, struggle to attend school. They've always got tummy aches and headaches. They're depressed. They're anxious and all those things because they've got that heightened responsiveness and fear conditioning. And is that getting worse with social media? Yeah, so we'll talk. Yeah, so I imagine we're going to get a lot of questions specifically about cyberbullying, but cyberbullying, what we've seen is that the pandemic has decreased some of the traditional bullying that we used to see in some of our communities when we look at them, but there's been an increase in Uh cyberbullying and there is does seem to be the more time you spend on in social online social environments, the more likely you are to be bullied. So, yeah. The other thing about what we do with our kids is creating kind of strategies and protective ways for them to handle it. And we don't just talk about if you're being bullied, this is what you do. We should have those conversations. But also if you observe bullying, what do you do? Okay. What do you do? So the bystander is really important. The bystander is important in two ways. The bystander can be a really positive role in bullying and often bullies will need someone to be watching to do it right because it reinforces that power that alpha bit yeah yeah the risk of bystanders is a bystander that does nothing can make the person being bullied feel worse because it can say yep no one cares about me because no one's coming in it's humiliating and they also believe i deserve this because they're not intervening what we need to do, though, is have a realistic expectation of what people can do. And for a lot of kids, they can't intervene even if they're watching someone else do it. Okay. But, you know, maybe they can go and talk to someone, go and get an adult, you know, and that narrative of saying it's unacceptable for you to experience this, but it's unacceptable for other people too as well. Okay. The higher level stuff is kind of intervening, but you don't have to intervene and grab the bully by the scruff of the neck and punch them like George McFly does. You can say, hey, mate, this is a bit silly. Like, you know... Billy's all right or, you know, make a joke or re-divert them to something else or whatever. But that's not going to stop. Like that might stop it in the moment, but we need to get upstream of what's happening for Billy or Samantha or whoever the kid is that's being bullied and think about how can we put stuff in place that's positive, that protects them. Yep. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a really important part of like there's lots of different components to bullying Mm -hmm. and it is something that, you know, we as a community need to start really cracking down on as well. Cause we see a lot of families in clinic that say my kid is being bullied and no one seems to care. You know, no one's doing anything about it. School's trying, but it's not changing. 
can't expect parents to go and confront other parents and say... No, you hear about that stuff. Yeah, that almost always fails. Um, so, you know, there's got to be, like, proactive ways that we bring all kids in. And, like, we've... I think we did a... Did we do a topic on empathy? But yep. a lot of, like... Oh, a lot empathy. of it is teaching empathy and compassion instead of, like... Because I'm sure we're going to get stuff about what do I do if my kid is the bully. Yep. And kind of punitive approaches to that is not the answer. Saying, no. mate, you know, we're going to socially exclude you now because of what you're doing teaches that kid nothing except not? that he needs to be more covert in doing it or she should make <sighs> sure no one observes it because she paid for it. What we need to do is get to the core of why that person is doing that. Right. Why do... I mean, you talked earlier, obviously, about alpha and delta, so why kids actually Yeah, so yeah, making yeah, sure yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, underlying yeah. stuff in that kid, like, you know, what's going on for them, but then actually teaching them how they should treat others and how important that is and why, and not because it's wrong, but also because, you know, you have the potential to have better relationships if you include everyone and understand how people are different and those type of things. Okay. So, yeah, it's this kind of... This really interesting thing that is a bit unspoken about what happens and, you know, we know a lot of adults experience it as well and it's really important that we have two kind of role modelling perspectives. We role model in the way we engage with everyone, the way we talk about people, you know, we talk about the gossiping and all that stuff but also what we do when we're experiencing it and, you know, talking about that and some parents will say, you know, they do the dinner table thing where they're like, you know, what was the best thing about your day? And sometimes asking things like, you know, is there anything you change about what happened today? And kids will really struggle to answer that. But if you can say, yeah, I'd actually change how this interaction went with this person. And, you know, you can say, like, I felt like they were bullying me because of that. I don't think that's acceptable and I wish that didn't happen. We also need to say it's not my job as the person being bullied to fix it. I'm not going to resort to violence and I'm not going to expect that I can resolve this when it's kind of everyone's job to understand that this is unacceptable and create, you know, social kind of rules and levels of engagement that is better than that. Okay, so, yeah, you obviously the modelling's like the key thing, right? So that's how you prepare, like that's preparing a kid to deal with that stuff and also having those proactive conversations where you can potentially point to things like parts in movies or TV or whatever and go, that's, hey, just by the way, that's sort of bullying. Like, so you're like, that's why that's bad. Is that kind of how you speak to them? Like... You can see bullying, but I think like on shows it's dramatised so you can probably see it a bit easier and maybe that's a place to connect with kids to be like, oh, that's that's kind of what bullying is, by the way. That's why it's not cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. And just kind of making familiar pathways, understanding that, you know, the reason 50% of kids don't feel comfortable going and talking to their parents if they're being bullied is not because 50% of parents are not being receptive and wouldn't handle it well, but just kind of creating that space and being proactive in it. We cannot wait until our kids are being bullied to have that conversation. And I, you know... I probably won't do it perfectly, but I will be talking to Evie about this when she has the ability to understand it because I want to protect her from the, you know, the worst thing is that she thinks that that's okay. This is the hard, this is a really hard thing. I think this is really hard because like so many things we've done recently, we've done the episode on grief, to actually start practically having these conversations, you don't want to even have them. Mm. But I think like what you're saying is you're better off having them. Because you're preparing them better. Like that's the tough thing with parenting. It's like, oh, I'm going to practically start talking about grief or, hey, I want to start talking about bullying. My child's never talked to me about it, so I'm hoping it's not a problem, but I can't put my head in the sand over it. 
So Freddie might never be bullied, but I don't but think she she's going to live a life where she never observes bullying. A hundred percent. So, yeah. and to your point around, you can observe bullying and not do anything. You can join in, or you can actually do something. Now, it's not running in and grabbing someone by the scuff of the neck, like you said, but you got to be able to identify it, be aware of it. Like any problem, the stuff we talk about is like self awareness or awareness of. Yeah. Then you can take an action, and I'm not don't want to send my daughter into a physical to figure it out but um yeah i just think that yeah i just just thinking about reflecting upon that i'm like yeah you've got to start having these combos yeah definitely and it's the same as schools schools need to set a positive narrative from the Mm. outset not wait for a kid to be bullied i work with some people that are amazing in the bullying space and one of the things they find the hardest is that they always get asked to come and speak to a school after something really bad has happened after it's happened yeah and they're like all the evidence is you, you build it first. Correct. To protect everyone in that community before the bullying occurs. Yep. And a lot of bullying interventions have no evidence and a lot of them can make bullying worse. So it's really important that we understand how you do it properly in a school environment and set expectations and have narratives that are we all protect each other. Yep. We call this out. We make sure no one feels like that. We make sure that kids who are on the receiving end of it are the ones that dictate it. We always believe them when they come to us with stories like this. We always listen. We always acknowledge that it's unacceptable. They don't deserve that. They've done nothing that warrants being treated or feeling like that. And then we take ownership of problem solving it, whether we're the parents or the teachers or whatever, and we all come around. We don't put that on their shoulders and say to kids, you know, go back and punch him or go back and tell them to get stuffed or whatever. We can build narratives in them and saying like, you know, it used to be like you're hurting, say you're hurting my feelings. But we think a little bit more kind of optimistically than that now and saying things that are a bit more objective, like I don't appreciate the way that you're talking to me, you know. And if kids can, they should walk away from those things. But there's not an expectation that they'll solve it in a way that it's never going to happen to them again. We give no sole responsibility to kids to resolve bullying. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Should we play our scene? Yes. So I should set this scene a bit because I haven't yeah, told you which scene it is. So we see bullying a few times in the movie. Yeah. We see, um, yeah, we see right at the start, Biff actually comes into the house and bullies the family when they were set in the 80s. Yes. And he's kind of coming in. He's like, I've wrecked your car and I can't believe, you know, and was kind of having a go at George as the dad about it. And Marty's like spun out a bit like, why isn't my dad sticking up for himself? Then we see it, I think the next time we see it is when Marty in the future meets Biff and they almost go to blows, but the principal comes into the cafeteria. Um, and then we see it in the kind of diner. I can't remember which one of those comes first. Once again, George is getting bullied. You know, the guy who's working there is like, why don't you stick up for yourself? And like has a go at him and he just can't do it. But the scene that I picked is the last scene because it's the kind of, it's the victory of the movie. And what happens is there's, they've made a bit of a plan that George is going to save the day and when Marty's mum is in the car, mm. weirdly, Freudian way, Marty's going to be in there kind of hitting on her. She's going to be saying stop and George was going to pull Marty out, save her and then they would go on and you know have kids together and everything would be okay. What goes wrong, and I think I've started the scene at this point, is Marty has been pulled out of the car by Biff's mates all those kind of negative observers that we talk about yeah. in bullying that are reinforcing this behaviour, they go and lock him in the boot of a car and Marty's trying to get out during this clip. 
George is rocked up thinking it's going to be Marty acting like, you know, he's overwhelmed by, you know, George saving the day, but Biff's actually there. And so that's what we hear is Biff is in the scene, you know, doing some pretty inappropriate stuff, but well portrayed in the 50s about how a lot of women were treated. And George has come to save the day, but is kind of really frightened by the fact that it's actually Biff there who he's going to have to confront. And that's the scene. Okay, cool. Let's spin it. Damn hands off. Oh, I think you got the wrong car, McFly. George, help me. Please. Just turn around, McFly, and walk away. Are you deaf, McFly? Close the door and beat it. No, Biff. You leave her alone. All right, McFly. You're asking for it. And now you're going to get it. Stop it! Matthew, you'll break his arm! Give me a hand, Original. Ow! Damn it, man, I sliced my hand! Who's in these? Mine. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You're gonna break his arm! Biff! Biff! Leave him alone! Are you okay? Who is that guy? That's George McFly. The music. <sighs> you <Yes>. can... <laughs> Spielberg? Yeah, right? like it just feels like Indiana Jones when I hear. Like I can hear a Spielberg film. Obviously, it's not Spielberg's film, but I can. Yeah, yeah. Who, who well, did, yeah who no, did no, no. Spielberg was part of this. Um, yeah, it's a good question, but no, one of the other famous, you know, composers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, the trilogy of Back to the Future is similar. You know, the famous Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Indiana yeah. Jones. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the music is so powerful here, and. It's funny because George is actually really well written as someone who would be bullied because mm. we know kids who are sensitive have, you know, difficulties in regulating their emotions, yep. are a bit socially isolated, yep. you know, maybe a little bit different, um, are much more likely to be bullied. But it's completely ridiculous to think that, you know, he's going to be able to overcome Biff just because he gets this, you know, burst of kind of self-assurance. Yeah. So that's the bit that I don't really struggle with and i think there is a narrative especially from you know dads to young boys that mate just stick up for yourself and i think we can do better than that in 2022 yeah and just punch him in the face yeah for sure and that's yeah 
Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you can't just have a crack at the bully because if it also doesn't work out, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, you know, that's the thing is that we, and we hear this bit, you know, even the end of it there, you hear like all the onlookers are like, oh my God, that's George McFly. It's like the legend of George McFly grows. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. And the word will be passed around, oh my God, George McFly knocked out Biff. Yeah, totally. So it's, you know, I don't know if I've articulated it well, but I I don't know what you think about what George should do instead, you know. Oh, what should George do instead? So it's a tough moment. So once again, like we often talk about, that's the hardest time for him to be able to push back and, you know, stick up for himself or Mm. say that's not okay and stuff. But, you know, it will do show notes on this, but I wonder how you feel about like what is a better thing for someone who is advising someone like George what to do about Biff? I I think about Biff, now I'm going to choose my own sort of thing here. So in that instance... Um, that's a really heightened one because someone's being um, you know, assaulted in a car. So like, can we go back to like the diner scene where he's yeah. making him do his homework? So that's a bit more realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah because... <laughs> yeah, so he comes in and says, where's my homework? You're meant to be doing my homework. And yeah. he kind of even says like, what's on your shoes? And flicks him in, the, in the face, face. and humiliates yeah. him in front of his peers. What would I do for Marty McFly in that instance if I was to advise him? Mm. Um God, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I don't yeah, know. It's hard, isn't it? If he came and told me after and said, "Hey, I got bullied today in the mm. um, in the cafe in the diner, and I've got to do this, making me do his homework." So, what's the first thing you'd do? I'd you let him this. tell his story. Yeah, like open ears. All right, talk me through it. What's going on? Mm. Open the dialogue. Yeah, open the dialogue. How would you respond to it? I wouldn't try and fix it on the spot. Yeah, I would probably ask questions. After that, about you know, how does it make you feel? Yeah, yeah, great one. Maybe why don't you like it? So they can be really clear of why it's bad. Yeah, I mean it's kind of kind of look sort of obvious on the answers outside, but it'd be nice to get them to articulate it, mm. and then maybe like you know what would you prefer to happen, and then yeah. maybe work on the solution with them to go and do that. And yeah, I don't amazing. know, I have no idea what that is. How does it make you feel? Is a beautiful part of that answer you just gave, and we mm. should also role model how it would make us feel. If we were bullied or when we do experience this and saying to our kids, you know, it makes me feel like I'm inferior, makes me feel like I'm not good enough, makes me feel like I deserve it. And then what we do is we talk and role model how we resolve that conflict in ourselves and those feelings Mm. and how we address it and understanding that we struggle with this as adults. So a, you know, 10-year-old or a 16-year-old who's being bullied will find it even harder because they have less capacity and less experience than us to deal and overcome some of these things. And then just talking about, you know, yeah, we need to think about what are the things that we can do to make sure you don't have to keep experiencing this from Biff. Yeah. And Biff's mates are part of the solution, actually. Biff's mates. Mm. So what a lot of places will do, like school environments or sporting clubs or whatever, yeah, actually build the relationship between the onlookers the or the observers and the child being bullied. So they're more likely to protect them if they see them as part of their oh, group. I love that. Mm. So you kind of go, a new kid is at the footy team, he's being bullied at school. So Biff will be the last one to come to the table. But some of Biff's mates, like say, you know, Sam, you go, hey, Sam, I wonder if you can give me a hand. Billy's just joined the club, you know. It'd be really cool if you and Billy could be the people that do this good thing that we do every training together, build a relationship. And it's really interesting like we said, especially in boys, they're much more likely to protect someone that they see as part of their group 
And so what George McFly needs is a group. He needs a group that protects him because as parents we can't protect them all the time from this stuff and we need to build relationships and promote them having other protective relationships with other people, including adults, which we often talk about, but specifically to bullying. Sometimes what we need to do is change the social norms and the way that that community, whether it's the classroom, the schoolyard, the footy team, whatever, responds Mm. the way that they protect each other. Yeah, I really like that. Do you ever highlight directly with an observer that you're doing this deliberately because of Biff? Uh, yeah, I, I always. So the reason that the punitive stuff doesn't work well either is we don't want to isolate. Isolate Biff. Biff. Yeah, I thought that would because you the can case. make yeah because what can happen is you can kind of like what we always try and do is say what Biff's doing is bad. Biff is not bad. Biff is not bad. Yeah. So you know, part of it is that we we just know Biff will be the hardest person to build that positive relationship with George with. But what we do, like we talked about last time is we try and promote what we'd rather Biff was doing. Correct. Not stop yeah, him, yeah, not yeah. saying Biff, stop bullying. Oh, I'd rather you do We start saying, Biff, you're a definite leader. You know, Biff, you're someone that, you know, influence people. can influence people a lot. And what we would really like is for you to be the person that looks after everyone in our community. I can't even remember what the suburb's called in Back to the Future. Oh, but something pines or you know yeah it's one of those yeah things so you're that person you're that person that has a lot of influence on us and you know you're a big strong guy but we also think you're a sensitive compassionate guy you know you're quite humorous but sometimes you know that can be taken the wrong way the right way to use those skills that you have is xyz is to be the person that brings people along that have never come and watched football you're the person that brings them to it you're the person that actually makes sure that, you know, people who are vulnerable in this community are protected and that, you know, you're the person that's on the lookout for people being bullied and you have that positive narrative. That's what we need to do. Never works when you're like, this is the this is all the bad stuff about you. Stop doing it. Yeah. But we'll get into it because we see a lot of kids in clinic that the majority of the time it's my child is being bullied, but it's really interesting when we see families where they go, Mike, I've just found out my kid's, kids a bully. bully. Yeah, right. So we're getting a lot of questions this week around that, hopefully. So, yeah, maybe some school stuff. Like, yeah, I could riff on this for a while, but maybe we'll see what comes through. We'll see what comes through. So, again, this is part one of this series, um, well, this duo series, um, about uh, Back to the Future and Bullying. So if you've got questions around bullying, um, as Billy sort of highlighted there, now is the time to sort of send them through to us. Uh, we'll give you a week to do that. So this is you know, whenever the date is of this podcast, we always respond in the second part. So you'll see across Instagram, we'll be asking questions in different Instagram polls, but email us on popcultureparenting at gmail or send us a DM. It's one of the best ways to get us actually via Instagram. Um, everything's anonymous. Uh, we don't call out who, if you know, my kid's the bully, you don't want to talk about that we don't name who it is we just read the question out and anonymize it so um but anything else as well is always anonymous when we do these questions and responses unless we speak to someone and they want to sort of put their name to it but we don't ever ask anyone to do that with our questions no even um, when we re- read it out there's nothing identifying nah, nothing identifies anyone so um and we love that we've got that trust with everyone um, and we also always check before we so we never read anything out so don't worry that Oh, yeah, yeah, we always ping and go, hey, can we? Yeah, mm. exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, we summarise it with all the other questions because, honestly, guys, the thing is the questions you've probably got other people have as well, so please send them through. It helps us sort of realise um, 
stuff we haven't gone over or haven't addressed or could address better or something we might have missed altogether. Mm. Um, so we love it. We love getting the feedback. It makes our part two so fantastic uh, and why people love listening to it. Wow. Great episode, Billy. Yeah, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. It's, and, you know, like a lot of them, this is a really important one for everyone to listen to, not yeah. just, uh, you know, my kids not being bullied, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, this is what I found with the ADHD episode we just did. Same as bullying. Just understanding these subjects is so important for everyone in the community, not just if you're impacted by it or either way, whether it's your kid doing it or your kid receiving it. It's these people on the outside that really do shape it. Mm. Um, how how you observe or how you take action or see it coming, nip it in the bud, that sort of stuff is so important, um, particularly with bullying, I imagine. So yeah. all these topics, just being aware of them, hopefully they don't impact you, but it's going to be in your community, like with everything we discussed. Yeah, typically. unfortunately it's really common. So yeah, I think really we common. can do something about it. Yeah, awesome. Epic. Thanks, Dr. Billy. Thanks, Nick. Judgment. <laughs>